us pray. Holy God, bless us and send us into the world with your vision. Amen. According to the USDA, more than 23 million Americans live in what is called food deserts, areas where geography, transportation, and other factors prevent them from easily accessing fresh, healthy food. Low-income neighborhoods like Englewood in Chicago's South Side are especially vulnerable to this. Supermarkets and grocery stores don't want to come to areas like Englewood because a track record of poverty and violence don't add up to profits for the stores. People who live in the neighborhood must take multiple buses to other places and then they can barely find what they need. That was true until Canaan Community Church looked out over the neighborhood with fresh eyes and took notice of the problem. They formed a co-op called Five Loaves, pulling together money and sharing transportation to a Trader Joe's a few neighborhoods over, bringing back milk, eggs, bread, vegetables, and other staples to the church. Then they would open up a kind of store to those who lived in the immediate neighborhood to shop. Not only did they then have access to healthy, higher quality food, but the church grocery market created like a community of people who could learn about food and about ingredients from each other. And they even started a community garden together. Trader Joe's got wind of what they were doing and started donating food that was reaching the sell-by date and granting them a greater bulk discount on purchases. That church changed the landscape of the community and they could have stopped there and this would be an inspiring story to open a sermon with, yes? But they didn't stop there because they had caught a vision of what food equity could look like in their community and they wanted to bring that reality to bear. They wanted to bring a real grocery store to the neighborhood. Whole Foods was in negotiations with the city at the time, and so the church's co-op stepped into that conversation, meeting with representatives from the store talking frankly about the business's reputation for high prices, and then striking a deal to bring them to the neighborhood with lower prices on staples than any other Whole Foods and health insurance for all employees. Whole Foods opened its doors not long after with 3,000 shoppers on that first day. Now a large employer for the neighborhood and a food security source and an attractor of many other businesses which have since come to town. The pastor of that church said, we believe that it's not enough just to open a church and have services. How can you be a representative for those who are most harmed by society those are the people whom the people of God should be standing up for, advocating for, and living with. Jesus and that pastor are giving the same sermon this morning. Last week, Jesus called the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and this week he has brought them up the mountain and started what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, a collection of teachings about who these disciples, who the church, is called to be. For those of you who have been to the Holy Land, you know mountains there are not like they are here. This is no Appalachian climb up to the Sermon on the Mount. He does not ascend up the beautiful peaks of the Blue Ridge Mountains. They're not that tall. I have friends that climb mountains for fun, and essentially they do it for personal achievement, but also to get away for a time apart, for retreat and reflection 
Now, while Jesus may have brought the disciples up a mountain to set them apart and reflect with them on what it means to follow him, it's not the same physical separation that we often picture. It's less about seclusion here and more about perspective. See, from the heights of a Holy Land mountain, you could see pretty much everyone and everything. On a clear day, you could see villages and trade happening. If you're in battle, you could see your enemies approaching. You could see off in the distance the city of Tiberias being built by Rome, the source of great oppression and taxation for those local Galileans. You could see rich and poor milling about in the marketplace. You could see the whole world, as it were. Jesus takes the disciples up the mountain for a panorama, if you will. He looks out over that spot and he says, let me show you the world as I see it, as God sees it. And then he proceeds to tell them that the way God sees the world, God's vision for the world, is wholly opposite of our own vision. What the world calls reality and truth, blessed are the rich, for they will be secure. Blessed are those who strong arm their way through life, for they will get what they want. Blessed are those who only care about themselves, for they will have everything they need. What the world calls reality is not the reality. What the world calls truth is not the truth. Blessed are the poor, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, who grieve the way the world is, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who have renounced violence and its costs, for they will inherit the earth. There are nine in all, and the last two are mostly about the costs associated for seeing the world as God sees it, for being the church in a world that wants us to believe its truth is the only truth there is. <clears throat> Many of you heard this firsthand recently because the West Shore School District hosted a speaker in honor of the 75th anniversary of the Holocaust. She was a childhood survivor, a mere seven years old, when she was deported to a Nazi concentration camp. As I heard from those who were there, she recalled in her presentation that as her family boarded those trains, her neighbors were standing by, watching, silently assenting to the entire atrocity. Her neighbors, those she had grown up with and shared meals with and gone to school with, she spoke about how everyone has a choice. Her neighbors had a choice. And they, in my words, chose to see the world's reality, the world's truth as the gospel, instead of standing up for God's vision for the world, for what God calls truth, which comes at a price, which comes with consequences that are not always favorable. As Jesus teaches, <clears throat> blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. <clears throat> Being called to be the church means listening intently to Jesus' teaching on that mountain. And it means looking out over the top of it and seeing the world as Jesus sees it, where those that are on the bottom of this world's realities are lifted high and those who are on the top are brought back down to earth again where the ways of the cross, mercy, justice, and thirsting for righteousness, renouncing violence and facing persecution and death are the ways that the church is called to be in the world, where the vision of the world that Jesus tells of is so powerful and liberating and transformative for everyone 
not just those in the valley you see, but for those on the mountaintop, that to be part of it can only be captured by one word, blessed. That's what the people of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Alexandria, Virginia would say. See, the world told them that Christians and Muslims shouldn't get along. They should be afraid of each other. They're too different. What they think about each other from their limited vantage points has to be the complete truth. But they went up the mountaintop with Jesus, and they saw a different world, a different reality, and God's truth. And that led them to reach out to the imam at the local mosque and start what would become a lasting partnership of community service and food packing events and discussion groups and years of friendships now across religious and ethnic lines. They have been systematically breaking down prejudice on both sides. And the blessing they extended ended up coming back and blessing them a hundredfold. In another part of the world, the people of Augustinian Lutheran Church of Guatemala had grown tired of hearing the world's perspective on things, specifically the role of girls and women and their lack of access to education and opportunities and economic stability. They had heard the world say that the truth was these young women were only destined for child marriage and labor, that the villages they came from would always be in poverty. The church went up the mountain with Jesus, and they looked over and they saw a different world and God's truth. And so they formed Casa Milagro, a program for young women ages 13 to 26 that provides education and trade skills and housing for three years so that when they graduate, they can start sustainable businesses and serve as leaders in their communities and literally transform their futures and the futures of everyone around them for generations to come. One girl who was interviewed after worship at school said her rural village growing up had no health clinic. The nearest one was often too far away to even get to. When she graduates, she plans to open one. Martin Luther King Jr. in his speech in the support of sanitation worker strike at Mason Temple in Memphis gave Jesus' sermon in his own words. He said, I've been to the mountaintop. I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. He knew he might not get there like Moses before him, but he had caught hold of the vision of the way God sees the world, of the truth about God's kingdom in this world, of the upside down way the world is now, and the right side up way God will bring it around. Like King, the church is called to stand on a mountain and catch hold of that vision and bring it down into the valley. That will not always be easy or popular or lead to great success the way we measure it. You know, King was assassinated that very day. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. One might suggest that we are not blessing the world nearly enough if we are not in danger, if we are not drawing a crowd of naysayers, if we are not taking a stand beside a train loaded with children or raising our voices next to the cages they detain other children in at the border. The church of which we are a part, the ELCA, made a public statement of sanctuary this summer in light of current events. 
Many wanted them to change their position, worried it would turn people off the church, that it would be too divisive to talk about. But they won't, because by and large they have been to that mountaintop, and they have seen the vision of God's truth for every person fleeing violence and seeking safety in this world. And they have decided that being called blessed by Jesus means extending that blessing into every corner of the world. Friends, we too have been to the mountaintop. Every time we gather here, God has set before us a vision of the way the world, God sees it, where there is food enough for all and there is a place for everyone, where their water is abundant and clean and flows like a fountain of mercy, where violence has no place and peace will be extended to every person and tears are wiped away by friends in community. In Christ, you see, we have all been to the mountaintop, and we are so richly blessed. May we be bold enough to come down into the valley with that blessing on our lips and in our hearts and extend it to the whole world, no matter the cost. Amen. Amen.